0: Welcome to another Craft and Career episode as part of Yale OCS's Take This Job and Love It. I'm Derek Webster, Senior Associate Director for Creative Careers at Yale, and I'm excited to share my conversations with professional creatives from the arts, entertainment, and media industries, inviting our guests to discuss the nuances of their craft, the reality of their career, and how, in often surprising ways, these two concerns can work together. This week we'll be asking back a previous guest, writer and Yale lecturer, Derek Green, to dive deeper into his craft and career experiences. All right, welcome back. Derek Green, we've asked you to come back, why? because we want to hear more from you. Um, We had a great conversation with you last time, asked some questions, you walked us through the difference between craft and career from your perspective, Um, but we'd actually like to dig a little bit deeper and and, and learn more about some of your additional thoughts in these directions, what do you think?
1: Well, thank you for having me back and I'm definitely happy to talk a little bit more uh, about these subjects. They are to me at least endlessly fascinating, so hopefully.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic, so to start, your background is um, particularly interesting when we ask these kinds of questions. You, you write for both television as well as being a prose author. Um, you teach at Yale. You've worked in industry, and I think we maybe underexplored that part a little bit last time, so that might be interesting in unpacking some of that. Um, but I was wondering, um, having, having had these multiple experiences, um, where do you think the commonality exists, even even though it's you know different windows to look through? Like like what, what's the some of that the 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 shared image that you might see within these windows, and then you know what's unique in these different categories? How do you think of them uniquely as well?
1: It's a great question, and I've often wondered about those uh, questions myself as I c- kind of navigated those different. Um, shores shoals and I uh, you know I there is a a surprising amount of overlap uh, I think and I um, will start with industry I worked for a long time um, 14 years (laughs) according to my resume and uh, as a a consultant and creative director writer and so on and so forth Um, for in the auto industry at Chrysler um and also it was Daimler Chrysler for a while and I was on the international account most of that time I speak Spanish and so for Chrysler that was enough to put me on the world circuit and um what so, so some overlap uh, and this is um a fascinating thing you know I am of the opinion that no experience should go wasted if you're a crea- if you have a creative background and there um I did a lot of work that I find I still apply now that I'm no longer you know i'm as you said, I write prose I've written um, scripts, and i've uh find myself using a lot of the stuff I learned when I was working for Chrysler We did um so if if you're interested specifically w- one of the things that I did was um launched brands, launched vehicle these were vehicle lines um in foreign markets um overseas markets and so all kinds of fun and cool sounding things um for instance we launched the jeep brand in um, south africa in the late 1990s and um this was kind of a big production which not surprisingly transfers pretty well to film um, and and other creative ty- types of production. We had Ideas Labs, which are like spitballing sessions. We had um, Cascade Development, which is exactly like a production. And you know, the, the old saying was like, one in every four or five, I think, ad dollars for most of the 20th century was spent by the car companies. And uh, a lot of well-known writers and directors got their starts in mm. those in that industry, um, and so f- so for instance, um, you're in a room with a group of people collaborating um, when you're launching a vehicle, and that was something that I found, re- you know, very useful. And um, uh, when I kind of shifted gears. And wanted to, tried to write a script. The first script I wrote was the adapt was an adaptation. I co-wrote it of a literary novel. Um, but suddenly, this was so. I tell my students, "You're not going to sell the first script you tried to write." And and they say, "Well, how many did you write?" And it's like, <laughs> "Okay, well, I did sell the first script." I wrote, but it's misleading because, in a, in actuality, I'd written hundreds, and I mean literally hundreds of scripted um, events for the in my car industry days, and there right, are right. definitely overlaps, um, and uh, and so that just is an example of the unexpected um, communication between industry and there's this idea that the creative fields are somehow. <sighs> I'd, for lack of a better word, I try to avoid preciousness and there's nothing like a few, like a decade and a half in uh, an industry <laughs> Squeeze like Squeeze out all the preciousness. To, um, you know, <laughs> it squeezes out the preciousness. There's nothing precious yeah. about that particular industry, uh, as one guy told me. And I used in a, in a production that I, we're working on right now, a, a television series his um saying was you do two things in this business you build cars and you sell cars everything else in his mind was bs and so and yet they needed creative people um and so i had uh studied creative writing i always wanted to be a writer but i had to make a living and and so i went as i said in our last conversation it was a kind of a Mm. Uh, prodigal period where I w- strayed away from creative writing, but always in my mind that I would yeah. go back to it, and as I said I right, took notes, right. I took extensive notes, and the uh, the first book I wrote was uh, a, a, a kind of a uh, one of my friends wrote, uh, similarly traveled, and he would write he was just constantly writing things, and I went for a long period where I didn't publish anything um, a few years, not the entirety of the time I was doing that, but there was a, there was a period. And like many writers, I started to panic when I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't writing, and I asked him, what do you do? And he said, you know, the difference between you and me, and he <laughs> talked really fast, even faster than I did, the difference between you and me, Green, is that everywhere I go, <laughs> I write something about it. And he, right. he made a really right. good point, um, writers write. And... And so I decided I would write a short story. He wrote nonfiction, but I would write a short story about every place I went. And I I didn't hit them all, but I got 12 of them. And I invented this kind of Halliburton-esque company. It it wasn't the car companies, but that became my first book. So those are, right there, are some correlations. Um, And it was this kind of you know i never gave up there there's one thing for the creative um writers uh i think all creatives are tenacious people often they're stubborn you know or you can yeah. phrase it can be positive or negative it just never occurred to me i would give up and and it's curious to some people like they express shock that i never gave up And it's like well, you know why would i have given up <laughs> So, you know, the difference between success uh the 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 difference between <laughs> delusion and brilliance is often right? success. And so you got to keep hammering away and uh and and to teaching. One of the things I did in that industry was so in 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 many industries, marketing um and training are really considered right. sides of the same coins. Um we, they could have hired engineers to tell people how the cars work, but nobody would listen. They needed creative people who would make it interesting. So we would tell right. stories. Marketing is telling a story. Um, and storytelling, classic storytelling is somebody wants something um, and encounters obstacles getting it. Uh, a character wants something intensely, tries to get it, and runs into trouble. If they, if they get it right away, that's good for right. them, but not good for your story. Well, marketing draws a lot on that. So um, you create a need in the target audience. You, uh, you want your smile to be bright? <laughs> well, it's not bright. So buy our product, and we have solved your problem. Similarly, we would train people um, on all of these things. And I would write training, um, as we call them, training modules, training programs. Uh, that came in t- very handily um, to teach. And I really, uh, so for, you know, who, who knows who's <laughs> listening, some of my old bosses, um, but I would, I would go give presentations about automobiles in South America, in Spanish, you know, in front of Mexican millionaires or in Buenos Aires. And uh, one of my friends asked, what are you doing these days? You know, I haven't seen you. And I said, I um, work teaching people a subject I don't know and a language I don't speak and there was a kind of, that became very challenging. When I came back to the creative writing world and I knew I wanted to teach, um, I taught in a couple of other programs before Yale and I had accumulated this ability to teach, you know, in the corporate world, people aren't natural learners often and so you have to become a very skilled teacher to capture interest and when I had the chance to teach a subject I really really cared about to students who uh, were really motivated um, it all kind of came together so I, I know that's a long kind of rambling answer but there are it there's yeah. a lot of communications well, it's fascinating to those. hear those okay.
0: examples of how direct I mean skills that are usually thought of as being exclusive to industry some soft skills some communication skills some uh, even, but but when you when you layer in the idea of being observant or a storyteller or being able to understand where those skills can be extracted and then applied even in a creative fashion like uh, i love the the, that that concept that (laughs) your first you know your first manuscript actually came from just a challenge saying hey you're traveling keep your eyes open pay attention and and write (laughs) that's fantastic
1: write a story about everywhere you go. And um, and I really did that and it worked.
0: Well, even the idea that you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't have been traveling to all those places if you hadn't have been working in industry. So there's, there's, there's a certain carryover in that direction too.
1: Yeah, and for me, you know, I often, Edgar Allan Poe had a great line, if you ever find yourself um, sentenced to the gallows, be sure you take <laughs> notes. <laughs> I paraphrase, but it's pretty close. That's a writerly yeah. thought. Every experience it needs to be fodder yeah. for you. And I, um, I really, appro- I, it, you know, I didn't feel like it while I was doing it, Derek. You know, it felt like I was wasting time, and I was out. But I was always had an eye toward, you know, one foot right. out the door, so to right. speak. Um, and and it was, and it ultimately did kind of pay yeah. off. So. so I would get up in the morning, so I would be in a hotel and you'd pick a place and we would have an eight o'clock meeting. But I was, you know, I would get up at five or something and write my 750 words, you right. know, Um writer. A discipline and write. of it, and right? So creative people, there was a bit of discipline that it required. And lo and behold, you know, one day I would finish a story. It always surprised me.
0: So, <laughs> so I was wondering if we could. Dive a little even further into the teaching side of things, um, particularly as as most as most teachers who are involved in creative writing write on. You know, it, I don't know which side you call the side. Right, like they almost lay together very often, um, and you know, that's a traditional path and it's sort of something that's talked about a lot and, and, you know, the concept of, you know, okay, you can write and then teaching might be something else that you extend yourself into. Um, But in the modern landscape, there's also a lot of conversation about, you know, adjunct teaching and the the difficulty of, of making a sustainable version of a career in those directions. I was wondering if we might unpack that a little bit and just talk about your thoughts on That landscape, you know how how it it has evolved, what its current status is, and and, you know for for our listeners who might be young writers thinking about that being a path, some of the things they should keep in mind.
1: Yeah, that is that uh, has kind of changed over the years. When I first started uh, a long time ago, um, teaching was a kind of a viable uh, path as a career path um i f- always felt it was a double edged sword you know you got to be careful <laughs> life is is short enough that it's hard to get good at one thing and so you <laughs> want to be careful as you pick what you right. try to get good at and i felt <clears throat> that uh, you know um i wanted to teach you know like a lot of people i thought it would be great and i did a little bit of teaching and that was when the the whole adjunct i, I got out of uh, my mfa program in the 90s and that was just when this M- adjunct landscape that you're talking about started to emerge and and in a nutshell it's been the increasing reliance on itinerant teachers who are contract and work part-time basically and for less than that less money than a uh tenure track professor for instance would would make Uh, the university has followed the trends of a lot of of different areas as you know and um and so that all said, writers have are also, um, like performers, there is a tradition of professionals in the field, as you call them, um, who would come and teach at a place um, because they were professional <laughs> writers. John Cheever would go teach at Iowa. and Sexton um, before she, be- I think she became a full-time faculty member up in Boston somewhere. Uh, here we have Um, Bob Woodward, who comes and he doesn't make his primary living. Um, He is a classic idea of an adjunct. That's where that term came from. You were um, in various fields. You would come and teach, but you made most of your living in that field. One of the reasons I went to industry um, is because I couldn't teaching wasn't a viable path. I couldn't make enough money teaching, uh, you know, introductory composition at Washtenaw Community College, where yeah. I taught for a year or two. I would, you know, some, one year they gave me a class and then not enough students showed up. So I was out of a job that Thursday <laughs> afternoon. And it's pretty unceremonious. Yeah. Um, and so um one of the things that I've done is evolved different lines of income. So many, many, most of my life I've worked as a freelance writer, even in industry, most of that was freelance. Toward the end it was not, but only briefly, it was technically a consultant. So I've pretty much been that kind of work um, most yeah. of my career, freelance of some kind or another. At this point I'm comfortable with it, so it's, it, it might not be for everyone. Um, but that would be my main answer: is that as a, as a writer, you need to become flexible. And most sources of income are there to support your habit. One of my very close friends, in fact, he's a partner, a screenwriting partner of mine. Um, we've written screen, and sold screenplays together, and he. Writes novels. He's a five-time novelist, and he uh, kind of make you know it's it's a dirty little secret. He's a little embarrassed by that. He's he's uh, novels are his uh, addiction (laughs) that he has to support through other means. And prose fiction is not. There are commercial venues for it, but it's hard to make a living writing. And uh, and so multiple lines of income become useful, becoming uh, flexible is a, a very important skill for a lot of creative types. It's not that unusual, you know in music, there most of the p- people who make their living are not the names you've heard of, but they they're session players who are mimics and can play one style one day, another style. That's the kind of writer I became. Right. you know I, I would get an, a magazine assignment and I would uh, race out and get four or five back issues and learn to write like a writer for that yeah. magazine. Or corporate assignments. Um, you're on assignment very often. I think one of the things that students uh, and other people who are starting out when they try writing even prose fiction, even literary prose fiction, this is something I teach. Um, if you're interested yeah. in hearing this, uh, I have exercises where I ask students, they, they will pitch me an idea. So in a television writing course, but I've used it in prose writing course. Um, and they're very excited about the idea, and they're chomping at the bit. So I tell them write me three scenes, and they start with great enthusiasm, and then realize they don't the scenes don't go anywhere. They're kind of flat. And then I assign them an imitation exercise, and they go off and write three missing scenes from Breaking Bad or three missing scenes from the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Pick you know anything, and they're they're often professional they're often stunningly good and it, the students are confused and the reason is because they the writers of those um, you know properties the writers of those projects however whatever you want to call them those shows have in, have done the hard work of invention and tone and creating the sound and the way the characters look and here's where i'm yeah. going with this <laughs> that they imitate themselves. And I think what you need to learn to do as a creative of any type is develop a style that you then keep recreating. And it's a fascinating concept, really. Um, You're not in charge of that either. Um, So to some degree, you want to be one kind of writer. I love John Irving and uh, and, the whole tradition from Charles Dickens of you know absurdity and sorrow and 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 deep laughter. But when I try to write like that, it's buffoonish. It's <laughs> pathetic. Um, my I it can be funny, but it's often a kind of sarcastic, and my cr- characters can be cruel to each other. And, and that's not me. Right. I'm a nice guy. Right. You know, I'm not. But I write differently. And you're not in charge. All of this is a way of saying that um, you're you you make the career part often is in support of that craft part and if you're lucky you you can make money doing both um but i wouldn't get discouraged you know i would always encourage students be don't get discouraged if you're not making a ton of money on your main um aim because you might find that's that worked better for me like as you pointed out if i hadn't done industry i i don't think i would have written as good of a book as i did for my
0: first yeah no that's that's remarkable the I I th- I I'm going to steal that. I think the the um freelance writer as a session player. I think that's such a great comparison. I don't <laughs> know if you just came up with that, but uh, that's both memorable and says a lot, right? Like the the idea of 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 being able to use your 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 craft as a tool and your tool as a craft. Um it 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 is it is very um
1: Oh, uh, practical. We would hire, back to the car industry, we would hire race car drivers to uh, do demonstrations. So I worked with Johnny Unser and the Fittipaldi brothers in Brazil and all kinds of, you, you wouldn't think of this, but of course it makes perfect sense. You want to demonstrate how a car works, go go hire the best drivers in the world and they're looking for money too because right. they're, they're you know they're not always winning the <laughs> indianapolis 500 or something and the, the reason i'm mentioning this is that they are incredibly adaptable they can drive their drivers and so you give them a formula car and they will push it to its limits but you give them a stock car on an oval track and they'll push it to its limits a funny car or you know a dodge or a jeep grand cherokee Again, the reason I'm saying this is you'd be surprised how often that kind of flexibility is is part of what a professional yeah. does. That, yeah. um, you, you use your skill across different... And, and I think when we start, we all have these dreams of being Charles Dickens or John Irving. And you find out you. you that?
0: Was, Ch- Charles Dickens wasn't Charles Dickens, right? <laughs> Charles Dickens knew this, exactly.
1: That, in that sense, that's probably the only thing I actually was able to steal from him. <laughs> Somehow becoming uh, adaptable and trying no, to Now No, that's great.
0: Um, so, so we've just got a little bit of time left, but I wanted to um, kind of uh, uh, tie this off in, in one last question, which is relatable to both of the things that you were talking about. Um, the practicality, the, the you know, utilitarian aspect of writing is just a, it, when it becomes a career, when the big C gets involved, like that has to be something we concern ourselves with. The preciousness, and, and I'll even expand that to mean like the, the passion, the inventiveness, the curiosity, the wanting to be able to speak towards something meaningful to self, all of those things are tied up more on the craft side, right? like the, the, the sense of being engaged as a writer how do you navigate those two worlds in a way that 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 doesn't feel awkward or or one doesn't stack on to the other or the the utilitarianism doesn't get in the way of the the passion the passion doesn't obscure the practical reality of this whole thing how do you keep yourself centered and moving both of those things forward without you know an internal explosion
1: it is such a great it's it's the essential question Derek. it's really a terrific question for all creative people i I think and it takes a long time to figure it out i think everybody does at some point if you hang with it long enough you figure it out for you it doesn't necessarily translate to anyone else um i think the essential part of it is this might sound weird but it's curiosity to me um is is an important Element of, to keep those two seemingly very different things um, working together, uh, so that you don't explode, or you don't go, you know, um, kind of veering off into a manic, manic or otherwise episodes. Uh, I think that the, uh, the the key for me is I. I'm endlessly fascinated, which is another word for curiosity, about storytelling and the process and how it works and why do we care and how how it works across cultures. There, apparently, there, you know, it works across not exactly the kinds of stories we tell, but every culture has a story-like thing. Where am I going with this? Um, I love talking to students about their stories and. I am hopelessly hooked, you know, as soon as they show me theirs, we go off into this kind of what if, and it's a shuttling between theory and practice, and and the same thing happens when I read somebody else's script, if somebody gives me a script of theirs to look at when we're working on uh, a script. and I remember not long ago, I was at around 1.30 in the morning talking to somebody in LA about stories, and I had started. I taught a class at nine that morning, <laughs> and it occurred to me I've been doing this like for fourteen or fifteen hours all day talking about somebody's story or how. It was, and I loved doing it. I don't know if that answers your question, but to me, that really is the um, the way that it, they shuttle back and forth is I. You know, I'm I'm fascinated by storytelling. I'm fascinated by h- how to sell stories. I'm fascinated how to make them better, and I just keep chasing that shiny object. And uh, right. and I c- intend to do it until somebody <laughs> forces me to stop. <laughs> That's
0: great. I, I mean, there's a consistency in that too. I mean that that goes back to your time in industry and your willingness to observe and take notes and build from things that. Initially, might not seem like uh, that's the material you want to build from, but like w- that ob- observation allows you to open up worlds within worlds. Um, yeah. That's that's a, 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 that's really great advice. Um, so. Derek, thank you so much. Thank you for returning. Thank you for this opportunity to dig a little deeper, go go in, in overtime on some of these questions, um, and thank you for your partnership at Yale. I look forward to you know keeping these collaborations going, and um, you know we can we can talk in the future about uh, some other ways that you might be able to help out with the podcast. Well, that sounds
1: great, and thank you for having me and uh, putting up with me for <laughs> these all these minutes talking. It's been great, Derek. You're, these are great questions
0: absolutely thanks again and until next time don't be afraid to use the word career but always stay crafty